And boom, welcome back to another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the illuminated Dr. Bear, Paul Lando. We are excited to be doing an in-house chat today on one of the most important topics I can think of. Uh, we're going to go deep into land patents and um, everything that goes with... Uh, the sovereignty on the land. Uh, it's an exciting topic, and I know we have a lot of interest. We've already had questions that have come in from Telegram and uh, even email. So this is going to be a great one, uh, something that I've been looking forward to. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you'd like more information about what we're all about, you can go to our website, alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. As those watching the video can see right on my hat, you can get some merch there. Uh, we have another shirt that's coming out that's exciting. Um, I think next month we, uh, we're going to be doing uh, putting out select merch again out through the store, um, all cut and sew. Uh, a lot of intention into this stuff. It isn't just print on demand. This is high quality uh, merchandise put out uh, through Alphavedic. Uh, Brian Lando, one of the co-founders of the company, Bears and Deb's son, is a master at this. And uh, we're really excited to be doing more merch so that you guys can rep Alphavedic out in the wonderful world there uh, and maybe even wake up a couple zombies while doing so. So uh, then the one we have coming out, it's really fun. Um, but you can go to alphavedic.com and see what we currently have to support us. You can grab one of these nifty um, uh, trucker hats with that are uh, stitched with our logo. We've got the Illumin shirt. We've got the electric universe or the Lumen hat, the electric universe hat. Bears, actually, I see you're wearing our Illumin shirt today. Uh, use, your, use your illumination. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the merch is really fun and it's, you know, that's why we're here. We're here to have fun. So check that out. And if you are interested in finding out more too, you can join our community at telegram at t.me forward slash alpha Vedic. Uh, uh, it's just, we just hit 3000 people in that community bear. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but aware of that, but, um, very exciting. It's, a uh, one of the best, uh, communities out there for sure. And also we are on discord, uh, as well, alphavedic.com forward slash discord. And um, we, I just got off a call yesterday with, um, with a, a gentleman who met me at Music and Sky, who is a developer and is passionate about decentralization and sovereignty like us, and is going to be helping us out with um, getting off uh, these centralized platforms and getting our own, um, <clears throat> basically getting off Patreon and uh, eventually Discord and then everything wrapped into alphavedic.com and then eventually hosted on Cordal. So that's really exciting. We are uh, making headway there. So uh, we try to walk the talk as much as we can. So uh, keep an eye out for that uh, as we move forward. Currently though, we do have an awesome, amazing online co-op that is hosted through Patreon. And if you want to, uh, learn more about that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash alpha Vedic and join us there. Uh, we have an executive co-op membership, which I think actually just got completely full. I think we're full right now. We've got a hundred executive co-op members, um, but you can join the, um, the co-op, the general co-op and to get discounts on the products and also get exclusive content and videos, etc. cetera. Uh, we're going to have some behind the scenes footage coming out from the, from the gardens. I know bear and Deb have been working on that uh, as well as some, um, potentially some other stuff from uh, the recent Music and Sky and um, other things that we're shooting. So check that out, patreon.com forward slash 
Alpha Vedic. Uh, yeah, today is going to be a fun one, Bear. I'm looking forward to this. Um, <clears throat> going into land patents. Uh, the primary distinction between feudalism and a free society is our right to property ownership. We have been defrauded from this unalienable right, but the time of the great reclamation is here. Scholars, activists, and truth seekers alike are now verifying that the free American Republic and most countries in the world have been captured through fraudulent contracts into neo-feudalism. Nowhere is this more apparent than in the United States that fought the Revolutionary War over the right to property ownership and not taxes as we have been led to believe. Whether you have a home mortgage, quote unquote, own your home loan free or pay rent to a landlord, land patents are the cornerstone to our collective future and ability to live life to its fullest and freely prosper. The erosion of our basic rights and quality of life has reached such dismaying proportions that many are now actively seeking remedy. Legal process of political status correction and formalized rebuttals to those who claim false authority have gone viral. But the issue of land patents does not receive proper attention. In this very special in-house episode, we're going to go uh, into this with, with part one. Uh, gaining a loyal title by reclaiming the original land patent on your property. We're going to discuss why this is equally important for those of you who consider yourselves quote unquote renters and give prima facie evidence that we are all tenants paying rent, fees, and fines while requiring permission from the lords of a literal feudal system through permits and licenses. If we do not reclaim our birthright to live free and unencumbered on the land, we will forever be quote-unquote, lost at sea in our present system of admiralty law. Wow, ain't that true? Bear, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, uh, Mike. This would be a good topic, and I believe it'll be part one. I'm going to try my best to get through all the historical and then just an outline of, um, you know, the process and what it involves. It's not that difficult but you really want to have your ducks in a row because you can't get in hot water if you don't do it right. Not in hot water because this isn't completely legitimate and uh, vindicated through courts, uh, never been successfully challenged. So it's a real deal. And it's real easy when you understand what you're doing to not get into any difficulties with the creatures that uh, be. So, um, I guess uh, the main uh, message today behind this whole topic is uh, we've been hosed. <laughs> and, uh, man, have we been hosed. And, you know, we've been led to believe, uh, again, that the Revolutionary War was all about taxes. And, yeah, that was an issue. But that was insignificant because, really, it was about King George laying claim to the land. And, uh, you know, the colonists are saying, no, you know, we want to be sovereigns on our own land. Now, there's some issues that, you know, I have personally, um, you know, as far as land ownership, you know, we have a parcel here and I've got the deed and all that. Uh, but I really don't consider myself the owner. I like to think of myself as a steward. You know, just like a lot of indigenous people, they didn't walk around with pieces of paper and say, you know, you can't trespass over that line. And then there's also the um, the issue that when the early colonists got here, 
there was other folks here too, and they really didn't get, you know, to um, address their legal grievances by holding up pieces of paper to <clears throat> prove that they're actually here in the first place. And, you know, if you really want to go back in time, there was civilizations and people on North America before the Native Americans got here. And that's been brilliantly uh, shown with a lot of contemporary historians and archaeologists. But the fact is, uh, we're all here on the planet. We're all sharing it. We've all got uh, a, a long and illustrious history. I don't care what race or country you come from. Everybody screwed each other over at one point or another. So what we want to do with this is go into a situation where we get the beast of the day off of our backs, uh, get out of feudalism once and for all, then we can establish a free society with the intentions upon which it was found and, um, you know, really do our version of a reset, which will also allow people that are uh, renters, as we think of it, you know, because you don't have a deed on a home or a piece of land, to have more of an opportunity to steward a piece of land themselves. And the reason why there's so many renters is we've all been kicked off the land. And then, you know, through the Federal Reserve and all the things that we all know about, which are the real lords of the manor these days, um, they have, um, you know, successfully captured the money supply and with their species of money, print as much as they want so that they can, uh, as they're inflating and raising taxes and doing all the things that kicks people off the land and makes more and more people employees and tenants, uh, you know, now they get to buy up all the assets and people like Billy Gates and, and uh, you know, all the boys out there are buying up farmland, uh, you know, the folks in the Federal Reserve at the highest tiers, buying up all the land everywhere, all the assets. Why? Because they relinquish our ownership, then they reduce the prices temporarily for themselves, print as much money as they need, and then some to buy everything up. And that's the game we find ourselves in. So today's presentation is really important. You know, there's uh, amazing people coming out with all different processes that are intended to help us not only educate ourselves to our true birthright and to reclaim it, um, but also to change any presumption that anybody out there has any authority over us and that we are not legal persons or corporations, but we are in fact sentient beings and nobody but our creator has any authority over us. But the linchpin in all these processes is about our standing on the land because they fabricated this entire farce of admiralty law that, um, you know, suggests that we are not on the land. And, you know, that phrase lost at sea, that's, you know, what we're meaning when we say that we are literally um, afloat without any land to stand on because it's been stolen from us. Now, this country was founded on the principle of landowners. Now, a lot of folks would automatically say, well, that's kind of elitist because I can't afford to own land and everything. But let's go back to my earlier comments. The reason why you can't afford land 
is because of everything we already discussed. The other thing that we might say, well, there's not enough land to, uh, you know, house everybody. Well, what if everybody, um, you know, did have equal opportunity as it was in the beginning of the formation of this country to own land? And what if the boys that control it all now and have created corporations in their name that are actually our government, which by the way, is a classic definition of fascism. And we're in a nice hybrid system of fascism and communism right now as we speak. So they, as they buy the assets, of course, they buy entire islands and, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres for their own little organic farms in um, Paraguay, you know, the bushies and all that. And then they all with their corporate buddies are putting uh, small business owners out of business, you know, wear the, the mask. And, and in the process, they buy up humongous tracts of land to create highways that are lined with box stores that are creating not only eyesores and just ugliness on the landscape uh, and also a means to rob us and, uh, you know, control all commerce, but they're using up parcels of land that are completely unnecessary. And then of course you go through places like Galilee and everything, you see all these box score stores that are empty, uh, you know, cause they move on and they keep developing, 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 cause that's the way they make money. So they use up land. Uh, you know, I think where is it in South America, they, uh, they called, um, the settlers, the original settlers down there, the indigenous had a name. I think they called them the ant people because they were just coming in and gobbling up things. So we really have to change our consciousness and uh, understand that there's no such thing as, as lack, including land. And, you know, if you go into, you know, some of the older villages and, you know, places of Europe that haven't been ruined yet, They've been living in the same buildings for centuries and refurbishing. They built them right to begin with. Uh, you know, every generation doesn't have to gobble up new tracts of land to build new stuff. You know, our family has a place in Italy that's been in use by our family for centuries. It's still there. I can move in there anytime. And, um, you know, so that is the way that we really need to get you know, our heads around and just say, we don't have to just keep destroying, using and creating artificial lack and allowing people to control our lives. Okay. That's my that. rant for the day. Oh, that was a great rant because it's exactly what I talked about on the, my uh, holistic economy uh, talk at Music and Sky number one, which was the debt-based model, which they've engineered to enslave into this neo-feudalism state creates that need to continue continually buy up land and use it and strip it and then move on and um you know it, uh, like we were talking about the tract housing right like that just is takes over valleys of tract housing it's just and of course with that it's concrete it's and then it's of course the classic american lawn right and then you have um, like with LA, with all the concrete jungle, where's the water go? The water washes out to the ocean. There's no land stewardship at all. It's all just like, I love the ant people <laughs> analogy because it's like locusts, right? It's like, it reminds me of the, uh, uh, the agent, what's his name in Ma the matrix talking about how humans are the locusts, right? Taking over the world. And of course that's all been engineered. 
And anybody who's flown over the United States, over the flyover states, like my kids just did coming back from Indiana, my, my son was like, Dad, it was like a patchwork, a, a blanket of just squares of land that went for as long as the eyes, you know, as long as you could see. And I mean, anybody who flies over the Southwest, especially will see it's just land for days and days and days uh, that could be easily converted into very viable um, permaculture farms and all sorts of things with regreening the desert and all that amazing stuff. But we don't even have to go to the desert. There's plenty of land in very wonderful, fertile places. Um, that we could all responsibly um, use and be stewards. And I love that term, stewards. So um, bravo, Dr. Lando, you, um, you, nailed the, uh, you nailed it there with your summary. Yeah, and with the use of less resources, um, you know, we would have a vast forest still remaining and, uh, you know, less concrete. The earth, which is a living being, would be able to breathe. Uh, you know, of course, uh, the trees that are no longer here would uh, bring in moisture to places that are now arid. And, you know, you'd have an entirely different landscape. You know, here uh, where we live, Mike, um, you know, I look out my windows and I see nothing but trees. And we just, you know, you can drive and just rivers and, you know, miles and miles and miles of ancient forests and everything. But Think about this. It's less than 3% of the original redwoods that were in California at one time. Now, when you're up in this neck of the woods, it seems like they're plentiful, but 3% less than. My uh, I can't even. Yeah. Okay. So enough of that. Uh, Mike, this is good, uh, you know, already because I really want this to be interactive with you and also, you know, with the folks that might be listening with any questions. And I want to get one thing clear also is, um, you know, I, this is not expert advice. Uh, I am going through a land process, land patent process myself. I've studied up on it yeah, a fair amount of time and uh, been, you know, edging forward to doing it. The only reason why I haven't done it until now is because in our last farm, I knew that it was a stepping stone to get to here. And so I didn't want to have to go through all that bother. And also I wanted to be able to sell the last tract easy, uh, you know, and if you have a land patent, which we'll get into, uh, banks won't loan money on a piece of land or a home that has a land patent because they can't lean it, which is evidence that things for real, right? Yep. Um, so I didn't want to have to go through that hassle, but uh, we're here to stay. We're building a farm as a prototype for decentralized, uh, you know, self-sufficient living, and, uh, you know, the whole goal of our operation here is so people can for free franchise our little version, make it work for them, and then just go duplicate them all over the planet. And a lot of people are doing their own versions. We're doing ours. And, you know, we'll be a teaching center to help people do that because that's where we need to go. And so let's make this interactive. I did prepare some notes. Uh, I'll start by doing some reading. I don't want this to become boring or dry because it's really an exciting subject, but let's just start in. You interrupt me, uh, you know, whenever, mm -hmm. and um, we'll get as far as we can get today. Okay. Part two, well, we might even bring a guest or something, but I just, you know, in-house here, I just want to be able to chat freely and not have to be concerned about a guest, okay? So you want to share the screen? Yep. Yeah, so we have... Uh... 
bears uh, prepare just a little. Um, here we go. Okay. Let's see here. Y'all see that? You see it, Bear? I see it. Okay. I can even read it. Uh, you know, when I was preparing this PowerPoint, I, uh, you know, just duplicated another one I did on agrarianism, uh, you know, for a podcast we did in the past. And, uh, you know, the subtitle was The Path to Social, Political, and Personal Freedom for the Agrarianism episode. And I just left that because, yeah, it kind of fits with here too, with land patents, same exact thing. So why don't we go to slide two? Okay, slide two. And please, everybody jump in with questions. Yeah, if you have questions, uh, hit us with all caps so I can see them easy on the chat on YouTube or DLive. Also, if you're listening to this as a podcast in the car or uh, running on the treadmill, that's okay. Um, we will have this uh, available to download on um, uh, the show notes beneath where you downloaded it. So you can grab this off Dropbox uh, or wherever we host it on our website or whatnot. Yeah. And anybody who wants to jump in and try this themselves, make sure you know what you're doing. Don't take my word about anything. We'll have another part, you know, again, uh, with the gentleman, Ron Gibson, who um, has done many of these over the years because he's in the mining industry. And as we'll see today, um, the mining industry uses land patents uh, readily because that's the only way you get right to the minerals and, and everything that you want to mine in the first place. Okay, let's go over a historical uh, perspective. The primary motivator of the first American revolution was the issue of allodial rights, allodial rights to land free and clear of the liens and encumbrances of the King of England. The land of the original colonies was under the alleged ownership of the British crown which continued the feudal system to perpetuity by granting land to royalty, nobles, knights, and military generals. I don't think that included any of the early colonists. So, you know, that's what they're trying to escape. After the Declaration of Independence in 1776, the American Revolution and the Treaty of Peace with Great Britain in 1783 the American people became complete sovereign freeholders in the land with the same prerogative as the king. The king had no further claim to the land and could not tax or otherwise encumber it. And that's supposedly the way it's <laughs> intended to be to this day. Boy, have we come a long ways. After the defeat of the British, the Virginia Act of 1779 was implemented in 1781, and the new government of the United States confiscated the land from whomever the crown had granted it, which was the Brits and all their own folks. The lands were surveyed under the Land Ordinance Act of 1785, entitled to the federal government for sale to those who wanted to settle on them under the premise that individuals could purchase land, make it productive and hold title to it. 
The Land Ordinance Act of 1785 was the beginning of property rights in the United States. It created the legal framework for land ownership in which lands could be legally transferred through a land patent using a document called a title. We're going to go over different types of titles and all sorts of things here. Mm -hmm. In a free republic, American nationals and or sovereign state citizens retain the unalienable right to acquire, utilize, and own property free and clear of government liens and encumbrances. Now, this point here, Mike, is um, real important because... I have my thoughts on this, and there's a little bit of disagreement with different parties out there that are knowledgeable about the land process, land patent process. Some people would suggest that you really have to have a change of status yourself in order to make claim. Others say that's really not necessary. So we'll delve further into that. Status uh, you can go a to status as a um, American national or as a state citizen, as a sovereign state citizen? Um, either one. Mm -hmm. You can be an American national and a sovereign state citizen. I was born in the Republic of California, which makes me a citizen of California, the California Republic, not state of California. Mm -hmm. And also um, would be synonymous with an American national. So if I'm filing for a regular passport, I'm not going to check the box that says U.S. citizen. Correct. Okay. Um, so this, this is one that, you know, I'm still mulling over myself. Um, I've changed my status in the past. So I've got that covered. A lot of people are doing that these days. I'm also going through another change of status now that is under the auspices of the League of Nations, which actually supersedes the U.S. Constitution. And there are certain protections in that because now you revert to, you know, in my affidavit that I'm preparing right now, the very first statement is, I am that I am. So when you keep going up the tier of potential status um, designations, of course, the highest you can go, which is just I am, which is recognized under the League of Nations. So that's a story for a different day. Well, that's trippy. Want to go to yeah, that's trippy when you get into stuff we know about the, uh, the whole notion of the I am presence and individuals involved possibly with the League of Nations back then and how that was co-opted and controlled. And, and, you know, of course, World War II was created to, to end that. So we could get the wonderful UN, the corporate UN. Okay. What could go wrong there? <laughs> okay, so we'll continue with the historical overview. The original letters of patent from the King of England are recorded in the state archives and county courthouses. This is going to be important when we come to the actual process. Under English land law and realty, now here's another distinction. Real estate is not land. Just like 
you know, Mike Winner on your birth certificate is not the sentient being Mike Winner that I'm talking to right now. The one on our birth certificate is, of course, a corporate entity because they also operate, they under the auspices of a corporation, and a corporation cannot intercourse with a sentient being. They can only uh, communicate or have any relations with another dead corpse corporate being. So that's why they create that in our name. And that's also the game they play across the board with everything they do. That's why um, you know they changed it into real estate and titles for real estate. That has nothing to do with the real land, okay? It's like uh, legal versus lawful, same idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. So um, where did I stop? Okay, under English land law, all realty was owned by the sovereign and from the crown, all titles, both lawful and equitable flow. That's another distinction distinction we're going to get more into lawful and equitable. Now, if you have a house and you think you own it in quotation, because you really don't, um, what you do is you have a, a title that limits um, what you can do and not do on it, but you do have an equity. That means you do have an interest. Um, the interest that the state also has in that real estate, of course, supersedes because we have signed a contract that you can tell me what the hell to do whenever you want and kick me off and, you know, charge me uh, 200 bucks for a permit because I want to put a window in the bathroom or something. Um, you know, that's equitable. So there's two parties with interest. Uh, we want to get away from equity and back to the authentic land patent and true land ownership. Mm -hmm. Good so far? Yeah, makes sense. All federal land patents flow from treaty rights and hold superior title to land. <laughs> okay, again, this is just the system we find ourselves mm -hmm. in and we're gonna have to use it to kind of two-step into a new world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but treaties and everything, okay, <laughs> you've got, You've got one thief called the crown and then other yep. marauders that come over and, you know, usurp from who's ever here. And then, you know, now they're duking it out. I Who mean, really this is, owns it. Yeah. It's funny how we're playing <laughs> I mean, off. Yeah. We're playing off old mercantilism here. Cause that's, yeah. you know, it was the old companies, right? Like that came over mm -hmm. from England they, during the UK um, uh, empire and came in and took everything from the natives like you talked about in the very beginning of this. So it's, it is hilarious when you go down this, you're like, nothing's really changed in terms of even playing the game. It's still stealing in some ways from someone else, no matter what. So that's why I do love the idea. Yeah, you're right. Moving into the new world eventually of stewardship and understanding this holistic principle that, Hey, we're all here on this planet together to work together. Yeah. Cause the next best step for us is still in La La land. And, um, you know, but if you think about it, if sovereigns who have changed their status as sovereigns are now owning parcels, not to profit from, but actually to live on 
uh, in ways that benefit their own lives and the lives of others. And it's not under the uh, ownership of just a few hands on the planet that actually have very bad intentions. That's a good step in the right direction. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Land patents are the only evidence of title to land. Title is different than deed. Keep that in mind. And are derived from the treaties and enabling acts of Congress under the signature of the President of the United States when each state entered the Union. So when a state enters the Union, they gave over the land to the federal government. They didn't do that initially. We'll talk about that in a second because they didn't trust the government. And boy, they really wouldn't have trusted it these days. Uh, but then they eventually did sign the land over uh, the government. Federal government held it in trust. And then as people made a claim to the land, then the federal government granted it to that person from the original treaty. So you then were assigned and assignees are given, granted that land forever. And forever, I don't think has a time limit on it. So the land patent process is really about uh, you know, we'll go over it in detail, but becoming an assignee from the title that you do have or the deed that you do have. Mm -hmm. So um, land patents are the only evidence of title to land and are derived from the treaties and enabling acts of Congress under the signature of the President of the United States when each state entered the Union. So uh, at the time of the Articles of Confederation, this slightly predated the Constitution, the sovereign state republics wouldn't appropriate, appropriate lands to the federal government, but eventually gave unappropriated lands, that means lands that weren't in use by the people already, mm -hmm. to the federal government to distribute to the people on the condition, on the condition that they would grant full allodial title. Allodial title comes from a land patent and gives you ownership, true ownership of the land. And there's also with the naysayers out there and the naysayers, I don't know how they uh, justify or rationalize their stance because this is never lost in a court of law and, and it's in use by railroads and mining companies and so forth. So this isn't something somebody made up, but um, the naysayers will say that, um, you know, well, there's a difference between a lodial and uh, you know you don't get the uh, an actual land patent. Well, you're not trying to get a land patent. The land patent was created by the original treaties and agreements, and then the allodial title emanates from that. And one of the big mistakes somebody can make is if their verbiage is incorrect in the process, then it could maybe suggest to the people that are out to get you in government that you're trying to create a new land patent, which would be fraud and impossible in the first place. So we're not trying to do that. We're bringing the original land patent forward and through that getting true title of ownership. Mm -hmm. Okay, a land patent office was established to distribute the, these unappropriated land parcels by grant to the people which is now under the curation of the Bureau of Land Management. So you're going to see we're going to have to deal with the BLM, uh, you know, in order to deal with. That's the Bureau of Land Management. Yep, the other BLM. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
we'll probably get another strike for from YouTube for that one, right? <laughs> um, okay, the government and the principals, creditors controlling the real estate. Remember, that's a corporate name. Today, have usurped property ownership rights, which have not and cannot be abridged. So the original treaties and patents are in place. They cannot be abridged or changed. But that's exactly what they've done. And in a system of authentic law, that is called fraud. All right. Mm -hmm. Generations of constructive fraud have confused the people of the world, not just here in the U.S., the people of the world by blurring the lines between property ownership and mere possession. So if you have a warranty deed, a quick claim deed, and you're on your property, even if you paid off the mortgage, you're in possession of it, but you don't own it. Stop paying your taxes or don't file for permits or ask for permission and see how long you hang on to that land or how long you hold, you hold possession. The payment of rent, mortgages, fees, or the requirement for licenses, insurance, and permits are prima facie evidence that you do not own your land, although remaining in possession. Okay, mm -hmm. so you can go to the next slide and any questions so far. Um, I mean, yeah, lots of questions, but I don't want to bog down um, this this current presentation. Um, one thing that you mentioned in terms of world, and I know this is a question that comes up a lot in general um, when we're discussing common law and discussing status corrections and all, is is this primarily for uh, related to the English crown and the colonies that came out of that and the Commonwealth countries, or can this be applied to most countries at this day and age? I can't speak from firsthand knowledge, but because everything we're talking about goes back to the original premise that all people come from the same creator and have the same divine birthright, all the U.S. did originally was try to get more in alignment with that fact and give people the opportunity to exercise their sovereignty and their divinity. So on that philosophical level, it applies to every single person walking the globe, uh, the planet, excuse me, I didn't mean to say offend anybody there. Um, <laughs> the realm. So uh, it's amazing. You have to watch everything today. Um, so anyway, you know, it does apply to everybody. As far as the legal process itself, I don't know. Um, I do know there is remedy for everybody and that's possible. And again, uh, studying some of the other things I'm, you know, involved with, uh, I believe that's absolutely true. How to do it outside of the U.S., I don't know, but I believe the Commonwealth countries have um, equal opportunity, maybe with slight differences as far as uh, learning how to search out where the titles are and, 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 you know, maybe just certain tweaks in the process. Because... The Commonwealth countries are also under the belief that they are property owners and they have been swindled in the same exact manner that we have. And because of that, there has to be a remedy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming, is, would you think, this is just a random left field question, would you think that every single parcel of property in the entire world, that the known 
realm, whatever you want to say, has been um, completely documented and tracked? Or is there still the ability to find property out there in the world that is completely um, you know, raw that you could claim and with your own patent for that or your own claim? Or is everything you think been parceled out by now? Good question. Um, I'd like to see who owns the title for Antarctica, for instance, and other places in the world where there's no populations, you know, living there. So um, I'm sure that the boys have uh, covered themselves with every inch, you know, of the what's available out there. But yeah, good question. Who knows? Good speculation. Okay, where are we? Um, in the United States, the land has been transferred to the government through treaties, purchases, grants, and conquests. The United States then passed the land of the people of the nation using land patents as a lodial title such that it becomes public land. Now, we're going to talk about the distinction between public and public domain in a second, but let's hold off. Um, public land has been appropriated for monuments, national forests, parks, wilderness, and other uses. Uh, I got a big problem with that because uh, who gave them permission? You know, the people on the land, not the government. The government has zero power and zilch ability to do anything without our permission. And, uh, we did not give them permission to set aside millions of square acres and miles, uh, you know, on federal land and, you, you know, just, uh, coming up to where we live up 101 here, you go through the Rockefeller forest, you know, uh, you drive through Ladybird Grove, um, you know, they've named all these, uh, interesting these locations within these federal allotments for themselves, which kind of makes me believe, hmm, you know, I think somebody's already claiming dibs on those things. We never gave them permission to do that. And if the people got together in a location and said, hey, we want to save these natural resources with the park so we can all enjoy them. Uh, you know, and again, if we're using our resources responsibly, we don't need to go down out there and cut down 97% of the redwoods in California in the first place, you know, it'd probably be reversed right now, uh, you know, with only 3% cut down if people were in charge and not the ant people. Well, I, right. well, I was going to say, how ironic is it that the very names of people who are supposedly such environmentalists um, reserving these natural places, which is important, obviously, we need to be mindful of how we treat our land, but they're the same ones stripping its resources to make the money to be in charge. Uh, you know, it's such a con game and it plays on our emotions because obviously we, we love our national parks, the idea of it, right. Protecting nature and, and honoring it and, and reserving it for, for everybody to enjoy. But of course the slippery slope, the sticky situation is, is that it's government. It's the mind controlling operation. It's those that are, um, that have stripped the power from us to make these decisions and control us. And then when you go into agenda 2030 and the whole plan of the great reset, which we're seeing unfold in front of us, now we really start to see, ah, I see. So we have to be in the cities eating goop, Soylent green, while um, the the few get to go play in those in those reserves. So, um, yeah, we get it. We get what I we get. What's going on here? Go ahead, Bear. And the places where the 
uh, the, the mass unwashed as we're thought of it, you know, are now inhabiting, they're creating a Mount Doom scenario. So we're all so, uh, you know, dismayed and cut off from nature and, and, and just, you know, just cut off any soul connection with anything in the first place that, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Enough. Um, Land patents convey property in the public domain to private ownership, including public land conveyed to the government. Okay, so the people can convey property to the government. Let's just say uh, we think it's a good idea that, you know, maybe we have a training facility, uh, uh, limited military bases for state militia, state militia, not federal troops which was never meant to be. And, uh, you know, maybe we say, all right, okay, let's use this land out there, you know, in some less desirable place off Highway 5 or something, you know, and create a little base where the state militia can train there. That's public domain, and, you know, we can do that. But it, it requires the people coming together and say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. Ownership preferred by a land patent cannot have its authority or jurisdiction diminished. And now here's the most important thing. Before all this land was usurped by all the corporations and the quasi-government that we now have, every inch of land was ours. It belonged to us within the concept of land ownership and it can't be diminished so what the hell's going on when you know we're being told to do uh including getting kicked off our own land by somebody a corporation a dead corpse that never had any authority in the first place the state of texas unlike uh sorry texas you're probably going to get flooded with more californians now (laughs) Okay. The state of Texas, unlike the other 49 states in the union, never officially ceded its lands via an enabling act to the U.S. government during its annexation. Very unique. And that's why Texas is very unique. It's, uh, you know, they're their own uh, entity out there. The federal government, therefore, may not enjoy supremacy over land patents, indeed issued by the Texas state government. So, um, Texas doesn't use the middleman man of the federal government, uh, you know, to keep land in trust and then to give to the people when necessary. They just do it directly. And I think that would have been a great idea if all the states did that. Hmm. There's maybe why uh, David Avocado Wolf just moved his chocolate factory from NorCal to Texas after the event. He was like, I'm moving my, I'm going right now to move my chocolate factory out to Texas. And that was like his big message to everybody, move to Texas. And I can see a lot of uh, old school Texas people rolling their eyes like, no, shut up, David. We're happy here. I got to go see his digs when he's got it going. And I I hope he puts Hershey out of business. Okay. (laughs) Titles versus deeds. This is an important one. All right and title to the unappropriated land was held to the disposition of the United States government to be granted, not sold to the people. Here's the way it worked. Um, you did have to pay a couple bucks or, you know, in that range to the federal government when you made claim on the land, but you weren't buying it. That was just kind of like a processing fee. And also it kind of helped uh, fund the federal government 
And, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, get some land for a few bucks. You know, I have, uh, you know, cousins down in Marin County, they still own about 5,000 acres and they came over from Italy a long time ago and, and, you know, got vast acreage, you know, for a, a buck or two an acre because they were just paying those original processing fees and, you know, didn't have to buy outright from another owner. Of course, they're trying to kick them off of that land right now. Right now. Uh, in the enabling acts, each state republic agreed and declared they would give up all right and title to land. The state has no authority over the land. Not anymore, because they gave it up to the trust overseen by the federal government, except for Texas, which never gave up its lands. Okay, I'm repeating a little bit on purpose here. The federal United States government became the trustees with a power of attorney over the disbursement of land to the people. Land patents are issued and passed between sovereigns. All right. So if the people own the land, the federal government is just holding it in trust. Then uh, let's just say I tell you, Mike, why I don't need my land anymore. Do you want it? I'm going to pass my land over to you. I'm a sovereign, you're a sovereign, the state, no government is involved, and you become the new assignee, and you would do the same exact process that we're going to describe here, so that now, you know, you have a rightful claim and title of ownership to the land. Deeds. Okay, now we're not talking about titles anymore. Deeds are executed by persons. I should have put persons in capital because it's a legal uh, thing there. And then I forgot one little. Okay. Um, so persons, of course, is a legal name for a corporation. And that's what you get whenever you get uh, a letter from some agency in the mail or a bank. You know, it's always your name in capitals. That is a person. It's not a sentient being. It's it's. It's referring or speaking to another corporation. So deeds can only be passed between persons, not sovereigns. And I bet just like myself, Mike, uh, you know, for your house there, you probably got a deed and not a title. Is that true? I do have a deed, correct. Indeed. Mm -hmm. All right. Landowners are the only authority in the United States of America and thereby qualify as sovereign state citizens and electors in their respective state republics with the power to elect public officers of the government at every level, county, state, and federal. So all you folks out there that are doing audits and, you know, uh, really stoked because you caught them red-handed stealing elections and, and all that sort of thing, well, if you're not a landholder, you can't be an elector. You can't have any say about anything. That's just the way the Republic is founded. Now, if you don't like that, you know, then have fun living in a democracy where every four years you go get to put a ballot in the government suggestion box because that's all you're doing. And uh, they don't give a rat's ass, you know, who you vote for. They're going to install and coronate anybody they care to. Yeah. Fascinating. Right. And it's just, and people are just so ignorant about all this as they yell as they're, till they're blue in the face about rights. Right. 
and and the rights from the government. I have the right because it's a democracy. I'm like, oh my God, you're so lost. No, rights are not given by the government. It's just, it, it, we're in such a deep, deep quagmire, such a deep hole of ignorance. It's dumbfounding. Illusions within illusions. Now, I, I kind of like all this uh, exposure of voting fraud and everything because at least it's blowing the cover off of one level of fraud. And maybe it'll get more of the masses, you know, if there's still time for this, I kind of have my doubts to get to the next conclusion that, you know, that that was a fraud in and of itself and, and a moot point, you know, as far as who won it anyway, because it's not our republic. The state has no authority over land and the federal United States government corporation cannot own or sell land. And they claim ownership of it all but not through title because they can't own the title. They can't, and they still don't. So they defraud us by granting deeds mm. in which they have control of the equitable interest of the property under the auspices of a deed, whereas they can't do that with a title. So we still own it. Mm -hmm. We still own it. American nationals and sovereigns, sovereign state citizens are still holding the right and title to every square inch of land in the United States of America. Warranty and quit claim deeds require fealty to a superior pow power in the form of taxes, fees, and permits, no different than the feudal systems of the world from which the early colonists were seeking emancipation. Pretty, pretty brilliant on their end, creating the corporation and, and putting everything into zombie mode, right? So everything's living, the walking dead that we're dealing with. Uh, Devious little piss ants. I have to give them that much. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of, lots of good questions too. I'm seeing on both ends of YouTube and um, uh, in DLive here. Uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a, there's actually a dude in, or I don't know if it's a gentleman or a, a man or a woman, um, but is going through as seems to be very knowledgeable with the land patent process and made a good remark that the, re, the, it seems like the reason why this, even this land patent process is still here, or they allowed it to be here is because it does in many ways benefit the elites, allowing them to manipulate and control it to their end. Um, however, I guess, I guess the whole point of this bear is right. Is using their own tools against them. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there is experienced with this and they have any errors, uh, catching the errors I'm making or any comments, I, you know, because again, I'm learning this by doing it. I've studied a long time first, but I don't consider myself an expert. Uh, we will have somebody on soon that is an expert by way of experience. I'm right now having my own experience, which to me, that's uh, the way I've always learned, just jump in with both feet and do it and, you know, take all the consequences. But I feel pretty uh, good now. And, you know, compared to a lot of other things I've done, this isn't that complicated. It really isn't. Yeah. Cool. Okay. A deed is a sales 
trust instrument recorded at the county recorder's office rendering the property of real estate as the trust property of the state. So just like when you register your car, guess what? You don't own the car anymore. That's why you got to buckle up and get your ass tased on the side of the road if you don't, you know, yeah. uh, you know, bow down to the, to the constable. Uh, the land, property, and real estate must be reconveyed out of the county recorder's office with a quick claim deed from equity to the common law. So if you have a warranty deed, uh, you know, you have deeded property, you're living there, and you want to get it out of the county uh, registrar, then you need to quick claim it. And that's all we're saying here. That's just another form of deed, but that's not going to give you all the rights and conveyances that a land patent or a lodial title would. So that's a step. Um, yeah, it's a step. But no rights convey or are warranted with a quick claim deed. A warranty deed does grant the land, but only equitable title. So a warranty deed is a little different than a quick claim. You do get equitable interest, whereas a quick claim, you really don't. But you're still, you know, under the, the hand of the people that own the deed in trust and are the controlling party in that trust, which is the state. Uh, a warranty deed does grant land, but only equitable title until the patent has been brought forth in your sovereign name. There we go, sovereign name again. So some people, and I'd like anybody in, in the audience here that might have ideas about whether you really have to be sovereign by way of a uh, you know, uh, change of status correction uh, you know, or not, um, I'd like to hear their ideas. Or otherwise will remain a trust property of the state. A mortgage is a commercial lien and doesn't convey an estate or title. And a bank has to prove it has title to the land in order to take it over. So if you have a land patent, um, the bank, if you have a mortgage on that land, does have an equitable interest in everything on top of the land. But if you do a patent, then the bank can say, well, you know, we want to put a lien on the skidoo in your garage or something. Um, but then they can't come get it because nobody, including banks or anybody in law enforcement, if they're set straight, is going to step foot and trespass on a patented piece of land because there's severe consequences. So, you know, they might give you a little grief through the mail or whatever about uh, not paying the mortgage. And I'm not suggesting anybody do one thing or the other. I'm just saying a land patents for the land, not for the stuff on top of it, but it does protect everything because they can't come get it in the first place. So that makes sense, Mike? Yeah. Okay. Uh, allodial titles only apply to the land, not the improvement upon the land, which can still be attached by a commercial lien. Although your creditors cannot walk across the land to seize the improvements without a trespass on the land. All land not held in allodial title has been hypothecated to the Federal Reserve Bank. Oh, here those guys are again, I'll be darned, as collateral against a federal debt that cannot be paid. And you might think about that as, uh, as we're printing trillions of dollars you know, by the month just so uh, they can keep people at home you know, doing God knows what you know, uh, on uh, government subsidies and things. Uh, as another means to create a communist state and shut all small business down and buy up all the stuff in the meantime. 
So um, it's been hypothecated to the Federal Reserve as collateral against the federal debt that they create. It's not our debt, but of course, we are led to believe it's ours. As legal persons, not sovereigns, as legal persons, U.S. citizens have no right to own land. No right to own land. Any more than corporations or trusts could prior to the 14th Amendment. By the way, the 14th Amendment that a lot of people, you know, believe the 13th and 14th Amendment, Amendment that allegedly emancipated uh, the Blacks after the Civil War. No, it just made slaves of us all. That's where the legal person was created. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was brought home fully after the Federal Reserve uh, got their final foothold in this country. And then in 35, when they started for the very first time issuing birth certificates because they weren't issued before then, then, you know, we have it in print now, your legal name, that's you. And you, not only your land, but your biology is hypothecated to the Federal Reserve Bank uh, against the debt, which is uh, why most people think they have to do what they're told. Yep. By defining U.S. citizens as legal persons, a doorway open for legal persons such as corporations and trusts to gain control over land and take it from the people. Okay. I hope everyone understands that. Title and that's, companies. And, and that's a whole other uh, maybe uh, alpha cast we should have. It's a triggering one, but the one on the Civil War is fascinating because most people are completely clueless of why that happened. And then you get into stuff like the Tartaria alternative history. And then it gets really trippy. (laughs) All of this gets flipped on its head too. when you start going down those rabbit holes and really what this might've all been really about and who really was the original stewards of the land and how it was stripped from them by these psychopaths. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah. That's going to be fun when we uh, have a discovery process with all that, huh? (laughs) Um, okay, so let me ask you a question, Mike. Uh, when you bought your house, and the last house you bought was yeah, a few years ago, um, you hired a title company, which yes. we all have to do. Which was a pain and in the And then the title company does a search to see if there's any liens on your property, right? Correct. Otherwise, you, the, the deal can't go forth. Did they ever tell you that there was a lien on your property by way of the Federal Reserve? Of course not. Guess what? You can sue them. Mm. And they will most likely settle out of court because they don't want this stuff in the public record. Fascinating. You, they verified there were no liens. You can prove there's a lien. That Just is by way of your... Deed, just by way of your deed, that is evidence that you've been defrauded and there was a lien on there. The title company did not tell you. And of course, title companies, you know, not the the average guy that's, you know, just doing the paperwork for you, but you know, you go up the chain of command and they know exactly what's going on. Interesting. So you think like the owner of First American Title or whoever's founded it wouldn't have knowledge of the fraud that they're involved with? Who knows how far up you need to move to find somebody that's actually knowing what's going on. And unfortunately, when we start bringing action against these actors, sometimes the 
folks that are the most clueless, the useful idiots are the ones that have to suffer, but that's the only way you can change things. And that's the only way, um, you know, you can work your way up the chain. Yeah. How do you, um, how would you go about, and uh, uh, Doug asked this, how would you go about showing or proving that the title was held by the Fed or that they were holding a lien just from the, you're saying just from the very nature of how the system is set up with what a, the nature of what a deed is. Mm -hmm. How would you prove that in the law, a court of law, I wonder? Well, I would, it, this is one situation where I'd hire a conventional lawyer that knows how to wield through that system. And then everything that we've been talking about going through the entire chain of ownership from deed, which is a process we're going to go through here in order to get your title, you're going to find out there's a lot of fraud involved and it's eventually going to lead you to the parties. Sorry about that. That, um, sorry about this. Some, somebody's calling for their meds, doc. They are, they need, to, you need, they need you to write a script, a script. Okay. And uh, since I haven't done it, I don't know what that would look like, but you, we have all the evidence uh, to present in a legal proceeding that could prove that this land is not held free and clear and there is actually a lien on it. So interesting question. And um, that's also one that I would maybe say for Ron to see if he has any experience of somebody actually doing that because Ron and a couple others that are very uh, experienced in this process um, do talk about the fact that, you know, there's a lien, it's big time, and that you can go after the title company for not alerting you to that. Citizens have entered adhesion contracts with the federal United States government under the 14th Amendment, whereby their unalienable rights to own land absolutely in an allodial title have been reduced to tenants and renters, once again, not the sovereign owners of their own land. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just mind boggling. And the whole the whole process of a mortgage, right? And what that all entails, and the fraud at the bank, like, <laughs> the funny money that they do, yeah. and what they they. I mean, it's just pushing imaginary numbers around. It's just, uh, oh man, how have we been hoodwinked this hard? Yeah, and the fact that the mortgage is all fraud in and of itself. Of course, it's a contract, but you know, when you're signing your mortgage contract, did anybody from the bank ever sign it? Of course not. So you go out in the real world and go into contract with somebody and just say, okay, you sign it, but I'm not going to, how far are you going to get in some kind of business? Yeah. There was no meeting of the minds there at all because yeah. they know it's totally. And do they have wrong. any, uh, did the banks have any money to loan you? Uh, no, I, I, they took my money. <laughs> <laughs> no, they took your full faith and credit yeah. ascension beings ability to produce they create an asset for that on the right-hand column, which is the first document that you sign when you're signing a mortgage. Then they start shuffling papers under your nose as fast as they can. And with those, you're all signing on the left-hand column, which is shifting their liability for that asset that you created for them to you. Uh, and you agree to not only be a chump and pay off their liability, 
but also to pay interest. You know, they're saying, wow, this guy's actually signing this. Let's see if we can get him for interest too. And we actually do it. And, you know, as soon as we create that asset for the bank, it goes to the SE. Well, first it goes to the Clearinghouse at Waterhouse Street in New York for the uh, Federal Reserve Bank. Then it goes to the SEC. Then they create a debt instrument out of it. Then they funnel it full circle back to the bank. The bank has to put that liability in the left-hand column. And because they have a license to fractionalize money and everything, which is absolutely horrendously criminal in the first place, but they can still do it. They can make buku money, you know, on your asset in the first place, but no, they aren't happy in, with that. They've got to stiff you with their liability with interest. It's, why? Because they're bastards. That's why. It's satanic. I mean, it is. It is. It's, it's vampiric. It's vampiric. It's, I can see why, you know, obviously why, um, uh, classically usury was considered a sin in many parts of the world, because it leads to this, it leads to enslavement, it leads to um, complete and total blood sucking vampirism. Yep. And of course, um, the government has a, a certain segment of our population convinced that uh, the other segment of the population is trying to enslave them and of course, uh, then, you know, create little kerfuffles between us so that we never get together and realize, wow, we've all got the same slave master. Maybe we had to join forces and go after them. And a great way to do it is by what we're doing today and all the fine people we work with in our circles that are bringing about remedies and solutions uh, or, and even if you don't exercise them, it's nice if you grow the awareness in the population uh, to the point where people know the truth, because then the truth will take care of everything on its own anyway. Yes, you're putting right. the, you're putting the energetics out there of the of the wisdom and knowledge, uh, and, exactly. and yeah, okay, okay. Where are we? Um, all all land. I'll hurry up here. All land not held in the lodial title has been apothecated Federal Reserve. Are we on the same? Uh, as collateral against a federal debt cannot be paid as legal persons, U.S. citizens have no right to own land. Okay. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one. There, we've we've covered that. Okay. I might have duplicated this slide or something. Okay, the land patent process. How are we doing for time here? We're doing good. We're uh, a little over an hour in because we got a little late start. We're about an hour and ten minutes in, so. Uh, we got okay, good. We can do this pretty quick, then we can just chat. Uh, the land patent process. So advantage of, uh, advantages of a land patent. Now, this isn't complete. Um, I did this on the fly over the last couple days in between building a foundation for my greenhouse here. Um, the land cannot undergo foreclosure. And you get out there, you know, on the internet and, and uh, search and, you know, you're going to get different opinions. You do your own research, make up your own mind. I've done my own research. I believe I've come to an informed decision that's irrefutable that they can't foreclose on you if you've done it right. The land cannot be taxed. Now, let's just say somebody does a land patent, they go, ah, you know, I don't want to go toe to toe with the county assessor and, you know, and all that and do legal stuff. Well, all right, pay your taxes if you want. But if you pay your property taxes anyway, you better not just give them the money for the bill that they give you as per their assessment. You need to be very careful to write on the check. 
this is not an agreement to your terms. I am not recontracting my property with you. I am giving the county state a donation in the amount of the tax assessment mm -hmm. because they'll take that money as evidence that you're back in contract with them. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just so something the, to keep the, in mind. The idea is to do that just to, just to keep you from the hassle, the, the, the hassle of going through all the lawful stuff. Once yeah. you already have your loyal um, you, you know, Mike, you know, when you drive up to my place uh, mm -hmm. a few miles down the road on a tree, it says a loyal title. That's not my land, but somebody else's. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty well-known family in the county here. And they've got a nice tract of, and it says a loyal land clear there on a big old sign. So the original owner that is no longer with us, he actually did very well finding gold in the area. By the way, I got uh, I'll, I'll, another story. Sorry, I'll tell you off here. Um, so um, he became very wealthy and bought up a lot of land. And so he actually took out the allodial title on the land to protect it and to have the mineral rights. And they've got lawyers in the family too. Now, I was talking to the two brothers that still live there. They're up at my place uh, a while back. And I said, why are you paying property tax? He goes, eh, yeah, we still, you know, because they can afford it. He said, yeah, we do. We just don't want to hassle with the, with the government, you know. But he, he knows he doesn't have to. Yeah, and okay. I, I think it would be cool for, for those who have the time and, and willing, maybe they don't have family and they go through the process and have the patent and to start creating more precedent of not paying it and taking it to court because um, – <laughs> is a good chance as in um, Matt YW here is saying uh, a lot of times the courts will throw it out because they don't want to demonstrate the power of the land patents. So it is interesting. Um, if it's just a matter of how much effort and energy you want to put out into this, right? That's the nice thing about well, it process. gets into, yeah, it gets into all the other processes that we talk about these days. They're successful relative to your ability to enforce. Mm -hmm. Exactly. For instance, a uh, personal story. A few years back, I uh, decided to go to a certain agency in the federal government. They, they then uh, retaliated by trying to put a lien in the county recorder on me. The county recorder did what she was told by that agency and recorded a lien in the county record. I went to the lady who is a county recorder, a different um, county that I live in now, just south of here. And I said, well, if you notice the lien is a notice of a lien, it's not a lien. And also if that agency gives a lien, they have to go through proper assessment channels. It has to come from a certain department. And also they can't do that because they don't have the ability to assess in the first place because only you can self-assess in that system. And she uh, just kind of smirked at me and everything. I said, okay. I had a friend with me who was filming it. And I said, uh, too bad, which I knew, you know, it would go that way. And I served her. And it was an affidavit of facts that um, basically now put the burden of her to rebut those facts 
because if she doesn't rebut those facts, then they hold as law. That's just the way affidavits work. And then I just did the regular process, gave her so many days, uh, gave her a, you know, notice to cure. I said, ah, you know, in case you forgot about this, I'll give you another 10 days, whatever. And then finally put her in default and then started giving her some very, um, you know, not unpleasant, but just very um, blunt, you know, legal kind of, uh, you know, uh, paperwork that showed that she was going to get everything she owns leaned and, you know, it could be quite a problem for her. So I don't know if it worked or not, but all of a sudden the lien was removed. Uh, she never responded or anything, but then I did another search. Oh, the lien's gone. Wow. Um, and of course they didn't want to bring it through the courts or anything. And I'm glad they didn't. I, you know, I have other things to do with my life, but that was just a situation where I said, no, screw this. And I kind of created the situation on purpose in order to, kind of test some processes out in the first place. Okay, uh, no third party can, uh, claim can be brought against it. We're still on the land patent advantages. The government may not encumber the land through legislation. They can't, governments can't do that. So, so the, one of the benefits of this could be a great um, protector against the great reset concept, right? Of this whole idea of the agenda 2030, moving everyone off the land yeah. into cities, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, folks, uh, I'm not under the delusion that if uh, if they had their way, they wouldn't just, you know, bring in the U.N. troops and kill everybody anyway and say, screw your land patent. I mean, that's the kind of criminality we're dealing with. So so I understand the, the level of the game that we're in, but at least don't make it easy on them. And I also uh, really believe that out of all the processes out there that a lot of the folks seeking sovereignty are learning and applying, uh, if you know just a very small percentage of deed owners did the land patent process, it would throw a, a wrinkle in their whole system much more significant than anything else we could do. And it would also establish us, you know, there's a there's a whole movement out there with another group where they are, you know, reestablishing the county seats and Mm -hmm. And, you know, their own state legislatures and everything, but still nobody's a landowner. You know, we're a bunch of people that have given away the land and, you know, we're complaining and saying we want to start our own local governments and everything. Well, you know, you got to have some kind of land-based foundation in order to do that in the first place. Yeah. Ownership of, ownership of land through a land patent also confers ownership of the water rights to any water or minerals originating on or under the property. Nobody can regulate or monitor the use of that water. Okay. So this would also be uh, really nice for um, utilities. For instance, people who have been stressed out about um, smart meters uh, and um, those kind of things where you have utility companies that have been, uh, you know, basically un unlawfully coming onto properties and installing poisonous, toxic uh, instruments. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it also, because we just don't stand up. I told you this story again at my last place where I was gone, came back in uh, two of the you know, the useful idiots from the utility company, you know, because I wasn't completely off grid at the last place. 
um, you know, we're putting in a smart meter and they're on their way out. And I said, what are you guys doing? Oh, we just put a smart meter. I said, didn't you see the sign on the side of the house? <laughs> just don't do that. And the guy, well, uh, you know, and uh, I just uh, went ahead of their truck, closed the gate and stood there. And I said, you're not leaving. <laughs> and they're a little, they're a little freaked out because, you know, that's uh, sort of where I lived was considered sort of the wild west. And there's, uh, you know, all the weed growers, including cartels and things. So <laughs> that one guy finally gets out of the truck and, uh, you know, says, okay, you know, and he went and he did it. And then I went over to the driver's side with the supervisor, uh, you know, to talk to him. And I wasn't going to be rude or anything. But as soon as I walked over there, he rolled up the windows, <laughs> and locked the doors. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, you pussy, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> so land patent disadvantages. A land patent could make it difficult to obtain financing or a loan on the land. If you have a land patent, the, the land can't lean it. If you don't pay your mortgage, the bank can. And yeah. so, they, yeah, makes sense, right? And it also is proof that there might be something to this. Uh, removal of the land from the tax rolls cancels any obligation to emergency services paid for by taxes. So, if you live in a city or or even in a semi-rural or suburban area and you have a land patent, they might say, "Well, you know, we're not going to send the fire uh, the fire truck out to your place." And you can go to those places and contract with them individually and, uh, you know, get those services. You can do that. I don't know how much it costs. Or Where I live out here, we're Lone Rangers on our own anyway. I mean, if something happens, we just got to deal with it. But I understand people in more uh, urban areas do count on certain services. Mm. So that might be a disadvantage. Uh, the land patent owner may enter into a private contract with each branch of emergency services to be served. Okay, already said that. So that's kind of sovereignty 101. It's like what I deal with with crypto all the time. People want uh, their cake and eat it too, right? It's like, well, no, like with certain crypto things, you have to take care of your own banking. And if you lose your private key, well, sorry, you should have been more responsible. It's kind of like, hey, if yeah. you want to be sovereign, it's time to pull your pants up, buddy. Yeah, the early settlers didn't count on somebody to come by every Tuesday and pick up their garbage, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, look, might and, and look what that's done, right? The garbage heap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you, you get a lot more conscious about how much stuff you're, you know, uh, putting in landfills when you have to go deal with it yourself. It makes you responsible. All right, the land patent process. Step number one. Now, I've got a little summary at the end, and I forget, to be honest, if all the things in the summary are in here. And again, don't look at this as the perfect way to do it. Um, there is a perfect way to do it, which I'll summarize more at the end, but still don't anybody do any of this until you really own it, all right? This is just to get you in the ballpark. So step number one, prove you own the land. You have to submit adequate evidence that you own the rights of the property in question via a certified copy of the warranty deed. Uh, I went to the county. I got three certified copies of my warranty deed. That was first step for me. Um, if you own the land through a quick claim deed, you must establish a chain of title between your deed and the original warranty deed. So let's just say I buy a house from you and I just get a, you give me a quick claim. Well, now I have to go back uh, to you or the county or somewhere and establish that that quick uh, claim 
is, you know, associated with the warranty deed and you actually have a claim on the land. So you have to, you know, establish your claim on the land in the first place before you go through any patent process. Now, a certified warranty deed. Whoops. Sorry about that. I was, uh, did we lose that? No worries. Okay. Where did that go? Uh, well, while you're looking for that, a certified warranty deed also should have the meets and bounds. That's like the formal description of, uh, you know, the land track, the section, the description of land within that section. And you really need to have that because now what you're going to do, well, I should stay with this. If you own the land through, okay. A certified warranty deed can be obtained through the county or municipal clerk's office. If you're working with a quick claim deed, you must produce certified copies of every quick claim deed between yours and the original warranty deed. You can visit the county or municipal clerk's office to obtain the certified documents to prove your chain of title. Provide a surveyor's map with meets and bounds designating the exact description of the property or any other documents to include assignment of ownership and proof of ownership through inheritance. So what I'm doing is I, I got the warranty deed. It has a meets and bounds on it, but I'm not stopping there. I just want to, you know, really have all my ducks in a row. So I'm hiring, I uh, already have um, uh, a licensed surveyor to come out and reestablish and make sure that he comes up with the same thing that's on my warranty deed. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the next step, you're going to have to take that proof of claim and also the very precise formal legal description of, you know, what you're claiming and see if it matches the BLM. So let's just read. Confirm the description by securing a certified plat map. That's just a plot map from the county clerk's office. They have those, by the way, too. The county, remember what we said way at the beginning, counties have the original... Um, you know, land titles going all the way back to the beginning. And I already said, uh, hire a licensed surveyor. Okay. If the, especially I'm doing it anyway, but especially if the county clerk cannot provide the document. Now in the original States and Texas, the land description consists of meets and bounds. The description started at a known point and described how far to go in each direction until the entire property is described. An acceptable description today may require a certified instrument showing the land is physically located within the boundary of the land's, land patents land description. The rest of the county was mapped in section, township, or range format, which is acceptable for the land patent application. If the description of your property in the warranty deed or other proof of property uh, is at STRF, that's kind of a format, um, so don't worry about that. But when you start looking stuff up, it has to be in a certain format. Um, it must be converted to that format if it isn't already. And then your current deed may now state where the original subdivision uh, plot map is located, which will show the exact boundaries of your land. Uh, next slide. Step three, obtain the land patent. Take your property deed, the legal description uh, of the land to the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, uh, the local branch. If you don't have a local branch, then you might have to go to Washington, D.C. Uh, where is it? Does it say here? No. Um, oh, Department of Interior in Washington, D.C. Then they'll, they'll have it. Um, and you, from the BLM, you request a legal copy of your land patent. So you've got your claim, 
you've got the exact description, mm -hmm. you get verification of that parcel and the description in the with the BLM records. So now you've got another party, you know, that holds the original land patent uh, records. Uh, you know, they're verifying it again. So, you know, less and less chance you're going to be committing fraud by trying to put a claim on land you really don't own. And um, then uh, the BLM will give you a certified copy of the land patent based on all of that. It's going to take, um, you know, probably about six weeks. And these days, because of the, the, the beer bug, um, you know, they'll probably say it takes a year or something, but I'll, I'll tell you what happens when I get to that point. Ask for at least two certified copies. I get three of the land patent and a copy of the patent plot map for the township in which your land is located. And then write an official declaration of acceptance to convey your acceptance of the restrictions the land patent imposes. For instance, uh, you know, we have our own driveway long, you know, our long steep dirt driveway that comes down. Then we have access to somebody else's land and, uh, you know, and then a little parcel up there, we give somebody else easement on our land. And so if you grant an easement or something, then you have to designate that because then that, that has significance. So you do all those kinds of things. You're going to have less complications with less rural properties, but it's not that big of a thing. Okay, um, write an official declaration. You're reaffirming your respect for federal law and ensuring you adhere to any restrictions the land patent places on your use of the land. So you're just trying to do this, you know, be up and up on all this. Okay, let's go to the next you're one. Using their own system. Yeah, and uh, at the end there in the summary, um, I just put down some points that are directly uh, from Ron Gibson as far as what your declaration should look like. But then uh, if anybody does this, you should get his book. I'd like to hold up the book right now, but I just gave it to uh, a friend of mine and I don't have it. And I'm uh, uh, got to ask Ron for another copy. And, and when I talk to him, I'll also say, hey, uh, come on in and talk to our folks. He already said, yeah, I'd love does, to. He's, a, does, he's an amazing guy. Does Ron have a website? No website. He's pretty much old school. He's a, he's a very interesting, knowledgeable and brilliant guy. He's a Native American. He's an old Marine, you know, real, he's like about my age, just super, you know, into sovereignty and uh, used to fly helicopters, has patents on, you know, things he's done for helicopters, been in the mining business, filed many, many claims on land with this process for the you know, under the auspices of mining and securing the rights of minerals and so forth. And he's also helped a lot of people uh, procure theirs. Uh, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I believe he'd rather you learn and do the process yourself. But he has had a, a friend or two that um, where they were challenged and he just went in and shot them down and they had to rule in the favor of the land patent, which they always have to if it's done right. Okay, step four. File the land patent in the clerk and recorder's office with the land records to the county. Now, Bear, if the clerk... uh, Bear, Bear, before we move forward, I think I didn't want to bring this up yet, but it looks like with the steps, real quick question, because we had a couple of people ask us that have been going through this process. And I think this would go back to step number three. What if uh, they're saying the land patent um, is lost or, or not uh, available? I, we had a question from Christian who's going through the process and they went to get the loyal title rights of their property. However, there was no land patent or land grant 
uh, for their exact plot of land. So they were not able to finish the process. What do you all recommend for folks like me where the system has destroyed the original land patent? Um, we were directed to the state uh, citizen passport as the workaround for this. Um, I've been able to bypass permissions having this. Is that even a thing? Do Can they lawfully destroy land patents or can then you hold them liable? I have never heard of anybody having that problem. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, governments start doing stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't know what I would do. Uh, well, I would ask them, well, did you just go to the county? Did you just go to the BLM locally? Have you yet exhausted every avenue by going to Washington, D.C., to the head office of the Office of the Interior? And if there's no, there has to be record somewhere. Otherwise, they're saying the land doesn't exist or that that particular land wasn't part of a treaty. And that's absolutely untrue because every land is part of uh, you know a treaty or some kind of grant process sometimes somewhere and they have to have a record they have to and i'm not doubting what he's saying that they you know are getting uh denied but um then it might just be a little more complicated where you have to hold their feet to the fire and just say no you have to produce it here's a description why don't you have it that's your job and they can be culpable for not providing that yes interesting so is there a possibility that the land patent was never issued or you're saying it doesn't matter if the treaties were already done and at least in the united states we're talking about here so there should be uh, a record of that uh, in existence yeah, there in is the united states there is no inch of land in the country that was not ceded to you know in trust to the u.s government and each inch of that land also was either part of the original 13 colonies or later on the other states that um, were formed uh, under the auspices of land that was by way of treaty or grant with some other property, some other country. There, there can't be any exception to that. Otherwise, you're talking about you know, they live on a little island that isn't in the, you know, territorial U.S. I mean, I don't know how that would be possible. Mm -hmm. But uh, weird little wrinkle, which I don't have an answer for, but I wouldn't stop. I'm not just going to say, oh, no, you don't have a record. Okay, and go away. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be like a dog with a bone and get an answer. Mm hmm yeah, I was just thinking, you know, someone brought up a good point. I mean, the whole reason, too, the patents were as, as an incentive to have this early settlers take the risk to go off to the West, right, to brave um, all the dangers to settle it and to start developing the land. Uh, and, of course, you had the, 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 all the conflict with the natives. And it's funny, my family were those crazy people who, on my dad's side, went to Montana really early and actually have um, one of my uh, great, great, great uncles has a book written about him because he was at the war uh, of the Battle of Tippecanoe, I believe. Um, and was that the one? But anyways, 
uh, great adventurers that took all this risk. And now, you know, a hundred years later, 150 years later, I guarantee my dad's side of family who still has some of that property or is there have no clue about this and have given up all of that time and energy from their forefathers uh, and given it back to the banksters. So I know my yeah. father's going to really love this one. <laughs> yeah. And Deb, uh, my wife, you know, they, uh, if you go down to Marin Point Razor, that whole seashore area, that's a formal state park now, and you go in the information center, that's, you know, where Deb grew up, that was her grandparents' house. They owned that whole thing. There were ranchers out there and they lost it through eminent domain. And, you know, if you go out there and do some research, people say, oh, if they want to come in eminent domain, you're going to lose land patent. Doesn't matter. No, no. If they had a land patent, knew how to enforce it, they still own that land. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the eminent domain thing is exactly one of the vehicles they will be using moving forward besides the um, straight up weather war, fire, forest fire creation and everything, drought and all that. Uh, for the Agenda 2030 Smart Cities Project. So yeah, guys, this is uh, really, really important stuff to know. Okay, we're almost done and we can just talk. Uh, the land patent uh, file it in the clerk's office uh, of the recorder at the county. Um, if the clerk, now you, you might get grief from the clerk and say, well, we don't do those. And they're instructed in a lot of places. Up here where we are, the clerk's great. They're just like down home folks. And they go, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. And I mean, it's one of the perks of living in an area here because there's just regular people and there's not that many people. So it's not as corporatized. Uh, down south, it was a little bit of a difference. Um, but let's just say the clerk doesn't do it. Well, then I would do exactly what I did to the clerk down south. I just say, no, do your job. And I'm going to make you do your job. You work for me, not the other way around. And uh, that is your job description. And the other thing I did with the clerk with that other process is I looked up her oath of office. I got a copy of it. I did all sorts of things, um, you know, included that on my statement of facts. And, you know, so you go after them on, on many different levels. Okay. But even if you don't want to go toe to toe with the clerk, you can still just make a public notice out of it. And... I believe you make up your own mind. I think Ron Gibson would also tell you that that would suffice. In the event that the county recorder refused to record your documents, you may exercise your lawful option to sue him, her, in their personal capacity and place a lien on Okay. Or simply move on to the next step, which is suffice to publicize your patent claim. So create a public notice in the legal notice section of your local paper indicating you accepted the assignment of the patent. Post a copyright quick claim deed certified copy of the warranty deed, copyrighted declaration of acceptance of the land patent and a certified copy of the land patent in the post office, county or district courthouse or the sheriff's office. Let's go to the last slide and we'll elaborate on what that looks like a little bit. And remember folks, when you're listening to this today, uh, we aren't expecting you to go out just with this information and all be able to file your land patents. This is to kind of whet your interest and do your own research uh, get Ron Gibson's book. Um, I'll get all that information so we can post it and then make up your own mind and do it when you feel comfortable. So summary, three certified warranty deed copies with meets, bounds, descriptions. And, um, and then I just have a little note. Let's just say 
I put up a little building on my property and the code enforcement comes out and says, um, we're levying a fine against you because you didn't get a permit. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Code enforcement is bound by law, their own law, to search for any protective covenants, which go all the way back to the original land grant. So you can go after them if they haven't done that, and they just go into enforcement process without bothering to search that, oh, at one time there was a protective covenant on this, on every single piece of land. So everything that code enforcement departments are doing uh, across the country is absolutely against their own law. Okay, two, every parcel has a copy of the original patent in the county archives, except that <laughs> gentleman uh, we just talked to there. Um, take the description to the Bureau of Land Management and you put the description in township, range, section, location, in the section. Quick summary. When located by the BLM, you get three certified copies from them. Take the patent copies back to the county recorder title company, look up the chain of title all the way back to the original title. This we didn't have in the summary so much. So, you, you know, the county archives will have um, everybody who's ever been on that parcel all the way back to the original land patent. And you need to show that there's an unbroken chain of title. That's very, very important. What happens if have, you have a snafu with that? Um, I mean, have you, do you know of instances where there's issues with, with that? No. Okay. Um, maybe somebody out there has had problems with that too. I've never heard Ron have any issues with that. Um, okay. And it's incumbent upon the county to keep those records. Mm -hmm. So it's on them, but you know, it might slow down your process, but that's where you got to hold their feet fire. You say, well, you don't have it, find it and deal with it because I need an unbroken chain of custody. And you're going to create a little document that has three columns and uh, you know, that, that uh, documents a chain of custody. Uh, you're going to have on the left side, the seller in the middle, the buyer, you know, who they sold it to and the date that happened all the way up to your present time and your uh, claim of title on the land yourself. And uh, Ron Gibson calls it a land patent sandwich. And on the bottom, you have the land patent copies that you got from the BLM. On top of that, you have a notice document with the name, signature, contact info, and rightful claim to the property. That's you. So just so they know everything about you, how to get a hold of you and everything. On top of that, you have a summary of the chain of title, which is kind of that whole chain of custody. Then on top of that, you have a lawful claim document you received to give to the property when you brought the property. In other words, you, you bought your house, Mike, you got a, probably a warranty deed like I did. Mm -hmm. So you have to have your uh, certified copies of that. And then after that, um, you have your notice of declarations. And again, what you're doing is you're not creating a land patent. You can't create another land patent. It already exists. There's not any reason for it, even if you could. So all you're doing is bringing the original land patent up to present time through all that chain of custody to yourself. And you are declaring that now you are the new assignee because in the original land patents, it says for all heirs and assignees forever. And it doesn't mean you have to be in the family that originally had the land patent or anything, just an assignee. And if you have a, an established claim through those deeds and everything we described, 
Now you are an assignee. You are now formalizing that status, which means you have the legal claim to that land to pass on to your heirs and assignees. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see anything else. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there in the small print. Uh, so in the declaration, you just have your name, you certify, I declare I'm an assignee in the land patent named above and have brought up the land patent in my name as it pertains. And you put it in, you know, more eloquent language. Just, I just did a summary, uh, purchase of land pursuant, protected by treaty law. Note uh, the claim only, you claim all, this is the most important thing. You can only claim specific parcel and no other, not one inch beyond what your uh, claim has established as the legal uh, meets and bounds for your parcel. And, uh, and then uh, let's see. Uh, oh, then you have, uh, you have to post it or have it in the public record somewhere for 60 days. And if anybody during that time says, you know, wait a minute, that's my property or, or some such thing. You have to give everybody the opportunity to do that. And so after 60 days, it is cured if nobody has come forth and disputed your claim. And uh, what else do we have here? Um, you sign all this before a notary, you know, before you post it. Uh, I'm going to grab you, Mike, and, and one other person. I want to go in with two witnesses and myself to a notary. And the notary is also going to notarize the sworn statements of my two witnesses. And so now you have four witnesses, yourself, two witnesses and a notary himself. Boy, I think we got it. Um, oh, the only two issues that can revoke a land patent is evidence of fraud. You claim land that really wasn't yours or if there's a clerical error somewhere and you might, you know, you might not get in legal problems for that, but you might have to go back and fix that and do it over. But I haven't heard of that either. Okay. Questions, anybody? I mean, uh, so, and just to be clear for those, um, who are watching that aren't and traditionally fully quote unquote, owning the land paid off, for instance, myself, I am in a, a mortgage that still applies. So that is fantastic. And because I do have a warranty deed and I can, and I can go through all these steps just because I have a mortgage doesn't, doesn't uh, cancel out any of these steps to be able to get the land patent, which is great. Um, and then technically, if I really wanted to, right, once I had the land patent secured, I could then go after the bank and I could actually get out of the mortgage which we know we've heard of many successful stories if I really wanted to try to do that. Um, in terms of renting, how does this play? Well, you, have, you can't make a claim on the land. Your landlord is the only one that can make a claim on that land because they hold the warranty deed mm -hmm. or some kind of deed. You don't have a deed. You just have a contract with the landlord that you're going to pay him so much you know, to stay on their property. Um, yep. So, yeah, you can't do that if you're a renter, although technically if you, uh, you know, even if you have a deed, you're still being treated like a tenant or a renter on your allegedly owned land. Um, but at least you have remedy in law to deal with that, whereas a renter doesn't. But renters, 
that think this has no pertinence to their lives while the more people that reclaim their land and that's why i called this in our original uh mailer uh you know notice of this uh podcast is that this is the time of the great reclamation Mm -hmm. and reclaiming our land is a big part of that including reclaiming the title that they have used to hypothecate our very biology against their debt. Yeah. So, you know, um, someone's asking about a condo. If you, uh, and this was a question that kind of was related to this too, with the homeowners association, can you use, for instance, also someone was asking about errors in a trust. How does that work with trusts and like multiple people, individuals, all kind of having a share in the land. I know Curtis Stone was actually in the chat here, as was Marty Leeds for a little bit. Uh, If you guys are are still in there, hey, we love you. Um, But I know Curtis has been talking uh, in a form of remedy to come together as a co-op, right? To be able to come in together to have land to farm on and not necessarily quote unquote own, but how would that work if you want to do it as a co-op or as a homeowners association, everybody has like shares in it? Easy. Uh, You create a revocable trust and then every party within that trust contracts with the, uh, the grantor of the, the umbrella trust, as far as what their rights and expectations are uh, within that larger collective or co-op or whatever you're calling it. In fact, we're doing something right now that, you know, I can't say too much personally, but we're creating a complex structure, exactly the way the big boys do it, uh, with a revocable trust and many foundations and trust within trust. You're not trying to play a hiding shell game or anything. This is just all legit stuff by the books. And But there's a way to create an umbrella that protects everybody. And then everybody under that umbrella has their own contract that can be enforced if the contract isn't uh, met with their expectations and agreements. Got it. That makes sense. So there's remedy for all here. Um, and so then somebody asking about how that works with errors and uh, does each error need to go through the process? Well, no, typically when you are dealing with errors taking over property, you're, that's in a trust, right? So um, you would just need yeah, to set up and a trust. Yeah, already- and if you set it up properly, like with my kids, I don't want them to, you know, have to pay 60% of the worth of the land to Governor Gruesome just to hold on to it, which, uh, you know, is just another way for the state to confiscate everything under a communistic, uh, you know, um, umbrella. So uh, they, they, you know, the conditions of the revocable trust which means I have the right to revoke it, but nobody else does. I can make changes, nobody else does, but I'll make sure my heirs have the same rights so that um, you know, if I decide to uh, leave the planet, then they already own it. They don't have to go through probate or any such thing. Yeah, I think the irrevocable trust is a really important aspect of this that people really need to look into. And especially um, if you're involved with uh other individuals that you and like you said dealing with your will and and how you're gonna pass the land off to your heirs 
Yeah. And if anybody thinks that, oh, this is a little sketchy when you start talking about revocable trust and, and those sorts of things, well, that's the whole land patent um, foundation in the first place. The states went into a trust agreement with the federal government and they made lawful contractual uh, agreements that then they could not own it. They would pass it on in a certain way so that it would only, you know, so that it would forever remain under the control of the people and whoever made any claim on any parcel, then they automatically had that right forever. That's the literal word forever to pass it on to their heirs and assignees and nobody else, especially government had anything to say about it. And uh, likewise, we can create those same trust agreements in the private, just like they did, because we have more power and authority than any government does. Got it. Yeah, this is uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, everybody in the uh, chat has been enjoying it. I think we've gone almost two hours here. Um, any, anything to wrap it up with, Bear? Tie it up in a nice, neat bow? Where are you right now with where are you right now with your process? Um more than halfway. Nice. And there's um a couple things that I've been stalling to get the whole thing done, but right now we're ready to go for the whole thing. And just um uh just some matters that are unique to this land and our situation, business interest uh, that involves you as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that all will become part of the uh, ultimate agreement. And then the land patent being an important part of that, which will guarantee that we are always a land-based business which is what makes our business unique in that we are land business because I have a, a real strong belief system that everything needs to start from the land and, um, you know, unique in the sense that, you know, we grow stuff, we, um, you know, uh, provide for our own needs. And, you know, again, the whole uh, purpose of the project is to create a prototype for people to once again be sovereign and also duplicate the process, tweak it to your own needs. And before you know it, we have decentralization and we're doing it ourselves. We're not talking about it. We're doing it and other people hopefully will follow suit. Yeah. And this uh, question here, if you have a land patent, then zoning restrictions wouldn't apply, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so, for instance, um, Maddie W. here, uh, who has been going through this process in Canada, um, rightfully is saying, uh, you know, he's wondering about exercising or she's wondering about exercising the patent and building an eco-village that would never be allowed otherwise. Exactly. This gives us the freedom, you know, that it's funny how you get the same Cretans that have controlled the world and have bought a lot of humanity into socialism will say private landholders are the problem because 
they buy up all the land and then they destroy it. They do what they want. It's a, that's why we have building code, right? That's why we have building licenses to make sure it's safe and to make sure they aren't destroying the land. Meanwhile, the very, those very people who are creating those systems are the ones actually destroying the land. And if you, why as a landowner, at least anybody I know who's specifically invested in their parcel and have gone through the whole process of getting the land patent and obviously care a lot about it to do that, why would they endanger themselves or endanger others? Um, sure, there are dummies that get inherited land that um, might put up some structures that, uh, you know, um, could collapse on someone or something true, but that's part of sovereignty too. I mean, what's your take on that with the whole building code stuff and, and the zoning and all that there? Well, a land patent supersedes all of that. Now, uh, absolutely, depending where you live and the type of people that live around you is going to determine the amount of grief you might have to go through in order to enforce your land patent. We kind of got the luck of the draw here. You know, a few years back when we first bought this property, I was up at a neighbor's across the way and they're putting up this big barn. And I was just kind of feeling out the neighborhood and people. And I said, so uh, did you get a permit for that? You know, not that I care, but I just wanted to know how people thought. And she looked at me and she said, you mean ask for permission? <laughs> you know, so, so I thought, okay, I'm around my kind of people here. Now, I've also, in the meantime, got to know uh, somebody way up in the county code enforcement department. And he's come out here a few times at my invite just because he's become a friend. And, uh, you know, he just point blank says, no, nah, I'm never going to carry out any orders if it screws somebody. And he says, if they really try to force me to do something, including taking a shot or whatever, he says, no, I'll just quit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we live in, a, in an area that's probably a little different than a lot of places where people, not everybody, but there's more people that are, uh, let's just say, more free thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point, you know, uh, with, with spreading this wisdom and, and the more people that kind of get lit up by knowledge and wisdom, then hopefully we get more of those people working those positions that, um, are a little bit more in tune with reality and not just, um, following orders. It's the order followers that are the, the mechanism behind the system. So the, le the, the less we have of those, the better for sure. Um, well, Hey, this has been amazing. Um, this is part one. <laughs> so, uh, this is one I'll have to watch over again as I start to move towards this path and it's very exciting. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much bear for this wonderful presentation. I know you put a lot of work into this, so thanks again. And, uh, any parting words for our community? Now, uh, just what you always tell folks to do, get outside, uh, enjoy the beautiful day, get your hands in the dirt. Sorry, I'm stealing your lines here, Mike, but um, that's all I have to say to folks. <laughs> it's kind of nice not to have to say it. So for once, <laughs> I kind of get tired of hearing myself all the time. Uh, yeah, guys. Hey, thanks so much. Please give us a, a thumbs up. Uh, share with your friends and family. This is really important information to get out there. Uh, so uh, please uh, spread the good word. And, uh, you know, 
this is it. This is the time that we're why we're all here, why we've been called into this realm, why we've incarnated at this time so we can take on the responsibility of shaping the new world. And it's exciting. It really is. So uh, this is an opt-in slavery and we choose not to opt in. So remember that. And that was one thing I was going to bring up too with the whole agenda 2330 and imminent domain. You talked about UN soldiers on the, on the ground. Well, that we have to, I still think we have to opt in for that. And it's the same way with the, um, with the, uh, with the devil's prick or the uh, genetic engineering uh, needle craft going on. They're telling us it all out there in the, in the open, just how if we want to look into land patents, it's all there. They have to, it's part of their pact. And so it's just about us taking the effort. It's just sovereignty 101, just taking it on ourselves and doing it. And it will shift and shape according to the reality we want to see. So go out there and do it, everybody, and, and get, off your, get off your chair and take some action, whether that be uh, planting some seeds or starting this process. We love you, and we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Cheers.